Good morning, everybody. This is the Marcus Today members podcast on Thursday, 13th of July. You've probably already heard me on the pre-market podcast, so let me try not to repeat myself too much, but a good CPI number overnight has our market flying along today. We've been up 104 points, up 91 as I speak. This is general advice only, not to be confused with advice suited to your personal financial circumstances. Yes, a good day today. The CPI number obviously came in below expectations overnight. Wall Street didn't exactly fly. It has to be said, Dow Jones was only up 86 points, but it had been up 500 points in the last couple of days. At one point, it was up 326 near the open and then slid all day. And on the CPI number, really didn't do too much. But as I said in the pre-market podcast, it's a rubbish index and includes some of the industrials that really weren't firing overnight. Meanwhile, the Nasdaq up 1.15% and the S&P 500 up 0.74%. So let's just cover off this CPI number. It was a bit of a risk, but... Headline CPI up 0.2% on the month. Expectation was plus 0.3% and plus 3.0% year on year. Expectation was plus 3.1%. So a little bit below expectations. And core CPI plus 0.2% and plus 4.8%. That's down from 5.3% last month. That's the 13th month of falling inflation or 13 month months since the peak of 9.1% in the middle of last year. It was the smallest year-on-year increase in inflation since March 2021. Still above the Fed's 2% target, of course, but getting there. Interestingly, the chances of a rate rise at the Fed meeting coming up on July the 26th went up from 93% to 94%. No big deal, but it looks like we have baked in a rate rise for July and then the chance of a rate rise in September. So you've actually got a couple of months before the September Fed meeting and the chance of a rate rise dropped from 22%, a second rate rise dropped from 22% to 13%. So this is the message, and Goldman sums it up, that we're going to get one more rate rise, and Goldman says we're going to go on hold for the rest of the year. And on the back of that last night, the 10-year bond yield dropped 11 basis points, the two-year 14 basis points, the US dollar dropped a very big 1.2%. The Aussie dollar, of course, went up on the back of that, 67.87, a little bit higher than that at the moment. And as the US dollar fell, commodity prices went up, all the metal prices were higher, nickel was up 5%, uh, Iron ore was up 1%, oil price up 1%. No major moves, really. But US dollar falling means everything priced in US dollars gets cheaper. So the prices go up. So all commodity prices up as the US dollar fell. And you might have noticed BHP and Rio up over 3% in the US and some of the other major resources in the US like Glencore up 4.9%, Anglo-American up 4.3%. And also the feature of the moment is gold. Gold sector, our gold sector today is up 4.66%. Evolution mining up 6.9%. Perseus up 9.7%. Evolution mining, or sorry, we mentioned that Northern Star up 4.2%, Newcrest up 4.1%. So gold flying on the back of all this. Again, US dollar going down helps the gold price. 
Our bond yields down a little bit this morning, not massively so though, has to be said. But our market is up 100 points and almost every sector across the board, resources up 1.7%, financials up 1%, and one of the interest rate sensitive sectors, REITs up 2.16%. So a good day, which leaves us or me looking a little bit silly sitting in cash in the one stock portfolios, 40% cash in the strategy portfolio, and all in cash in the ideas portfolio. I was hoping that this CPI number created a great panic from great panics comes great value but not to be not today anyway bit of a shame in the last month we've now seen two sharp sell-offs followed by two quick recoveries just remember last Friday our market was down at 120 points so I've got a couple of charts in the strategy piece today sorry the markers take piece today the ASX 200 chart the shorter term one the longer term one and of course the accepted best technique of technical analysis is to stand back a meter from the chart blur your eyes and say one of the following two phrases that's going up or that's going down and on the short term chart on the ASX 200 despite today's rally that's going down and the long term chart blur your eyes that's definitely going up I hate it when the chicken little strategists are right about not trying to time the market. Anyway, long-term trend in the ASX 200 is up and we're sort of middle of the trading range at the moment and short-term been going down despite today's rally. So I get the feeling if you read enough, of course, this is a day where you can lose objectivity reading strategist comments. But if you read the strategist comments today, the collective of strategists seem to be coming around to the idea that we have hit peak inflation now. 3% in the US obviously isn't far off 2%, which is the US target rate. And that is 13 months of inflation going down since the peak. We've already priced in another rate rise. And then maybe we do go on hold. So you sort of ask, are we there yet? I imagine Mr. Powell will be opening a bottle of nice red wine on the Federal Reserve's boardroom table, probably right at this moment with his colleagues, toasting the idea that they might have eventually got, not necessarily ahead of the curve, they're always behind, but somewhere near the right spot on interest rates as regards inflation. Although I can tell you he'll be saying, I th- although he'll be saying, I think we've done it. He'll be telling his federal governors, don't tell anybody. Keep telling them we've got more work to do. Don't want them losing their heads. After all, the Nasdaq is high enough. So what do we know now? I think hawkishness is now dissipating. We prematurely called peak hawkishness at the beginning of this year, had every reason to do so only to be slapped in the face by sticky or the stickiness of inflation and repeated rate rises, particularly in Australia from the RBA, that weren't expected. But can we now start talking about peak hawkishness again? Has it arrived for real? And if that's the case, then it sort of underwrites a casual bull market. This has been one of the biggest negatives in the equity market for the last 18 months. And are we finally somewhere near the top on hawkishness? Having said all that, again, probably lost our objectivity today on the back of the reaction in the market. And I'm not jumping in today, not in the middle of a sugar hit is what we're having. Let's see if it all follows through. Let's see if Wall Street follows through. Dow futures at the moment are up 36. 
Nasdaq futures up 37 doesn't really tell you much, but it does tell you that they are still on the right side of the ledger. Do we dare get casually optimistic? I don't know. There are a few things coming up. Of course, big finance results start in the US on Friday tomorrow night. Could cut either way. Important, of course, for Macquarie to see all the US investment banks kicking along. There are suggestions that they are going to be reporting significant loan losses and a lack of activity on the M&A IPO and deal front. So let's see what happens on Friday. Those big finance results follow through at the beginning of next week. Then in the middle of next week, we start the big tech results, Tesla and Netflix But really, the week after, we see all the other big tech stocks reporting. Apple, Google, Amazon, Microsoft. Microsoft on Monday, very important. And we need to see the AI enthusiasm continue and the AI revenues growing. And don't want to see anyone hedging their bets on AI optimism or cloud optimism. So not next week so much, but the week after is all big tech. The end of this week and next week is big finance. Need those to perform. But then we've got our own results season starting. Have a look at the newsletter. There is a results calendar for under the tools tab. You'll find a results calendar and an Australian results calendar sorry a US results calendar and an Australian results calendar have a look under the tools tab and one of the other risks coming up of course is that Marcus and Emma are going on holiday on Sunday which as any long-standing member will know the market always falls over whenever I go on holiday another risk we will see outside of that the Australian market's not really terribly expensive But if we forget our loss of objectivity today, Philip Lowe had a speech today, was a bit hawkish. Don't expect the RBA to flip policy on the back of one US CPI number. And, of course, we have the Australian consumer who is under pressure. And this results season is likely to reflect a weak spot in the economy in the last at least three months as rates have surprisingly risen. And outlook statements are unlikely to be that fantastic. So I think there's still quite a bit of results risk. I did get an email today wondering whether to buy CBA for a dividend strip. I have to say with this sort of interest rate vibe improving, we really do need to see bond yields both here and in the US. They have been relentlessly rising. We need to see a big pivot point in interest rates in the bond market, which is where they price real interest rates. If we do see a significant pivot point in bond yields, then we can perhaps get a little bit more relaxed about equities. But if that's the case, the bank's results should be okay. But as anyone knows, in order to get a good dividend strip, you really need the market on the rise and the stock you're trying to strip a dividend out of on the rise. Have a look at the CBA chart in my section today. It's not really on the rise, but I don't think it's very risky either. Uh, Resources, I don't think resources results are particularly or likely to dazzle the way commodity prices have been performing in the last six months. But of course, share prices there are nothing to do with what has happened in the past. They're all to do about all to do with what commodity prices do in the future, and that's anybody's guess. Interest rate sensitive sectors are probably worth a look if bond yields do peak out. REITs in particular, one of the best performing sectors today after gold. Utilities, infrastructure should should do okay if the global interest rate fears start to dissipate. Anyway, other other outside that as Henry always says, forget the noise, it's all about picking stocks. Henry is away pretending to be a younger man than he is today on the ski fields. Let's hope he comes back in one piece on Monday, at which point I will be away in the UK. So the bottom line to all this is reasons to be cheerful, but not doing anything today. Wondering if this is a one-day wonder, whether we haven't all lost objectivity 
and wondering whether it's the beginning of something meaningful. Of course, if we sit back too long, we'll miss the whole thing. But it would be nice to see a few days of the markets going up and bond yields going down. Otherwise, in the strategy portfolio, our better shares NASDAQ ETF now up 26% and our S&P 500 ETF up 13%. Don't you just love having a US market to invest in? If we were just stuck in Australia, it would be so boring. The FANG ETF is up another 6% since since we sold it for a 17% gain. Idiot selling that. I think in this strategy portfolio, I have to learn not to be so reactionary. I got spoofed out of FANG by one bad day. These ETFs are not terribly volatile. We can afford to have a bit of patience and impatience has cost us selling the FANG. Otherwise, Macquarie's getting away from me in the one stock portfolios, both of which are in cash. Macquarie's getting away from me today. See how long that lasts. BHP, not really kicking too much. And a couple of stocks I, I would be buying if I genuinely thought the resources complex was going to do something impressive. I'd be looking at MIN and S32, both of which I've done stock takes on and was impressed by both stocks longer term. But there's no no way you'd be buying either of those at the moment in the current trend. Right, that's about that. Chicken little. In the technical scans, there wasn't really much today. There are no convincing buy signals, but just to note, NASDAQ, S&P 500 overbought, FANG overbought, very overbought, and none of the buy signals really impressive. I uh, see a buy signal on Premier Investments, which is quite a good trading stock. For instance, in a couple of months, that has dropped from $28 down to $20. So if it was to get back, obviously, to its peak, and it's got Got good fundamentals. If it was get to get back to its peak, you'd you'd be making forty percent, but just hard to buy retailers ahead of the results season coming up. And zero overbought, overpriced, but holding up along with the other tech stocks. PE, 645 this year, 132 next year, yield zero, value ranking out of 100, with 100 being showing a lot of value and one showing no value. Value ranking, one. Brokers aren't too impressed either. Most of them have got target prices below the current share price. Anyway, zero overbought. Whilst I'm away, one of my colleagues will be doing the technical signals. They won't look exactly the same as they do today or when I'm here, they will resume normal service on my return. Not a lot in Henry's take today. He is away skiing, as I said. I've just put a chart of Atlantic lithium in there. Not participating in the fun at the moment. Right, that's about it. As I leave you, we're up 101 points. Dow futures rising, up 42 now. Chinese market has opened slightly higher. Gold stocks leading. REITs coming close behind. Goodman Group up 4% today. Supposed to be slow moving, these REITs. Unibel Rodamco up 3% today. And tech following close behind. Zero up 2.9%, and mineral resources, which I said I was interested in but haven't bought, up 3.5% today. That's that. I will be back tomorrow.